0: Welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor at Parkview, and I am glad you're here. The whole purpose of us coming together like this is to take steps toward God. Even if you feel like you've been distant from church for a while, or you've been around church for your entire life, we all have a step to take. We never stop growing. If at any point you're ready to talk through what that step might look like for you, go to parkviewchurch.com slash next steps and start a conversation with our team. That's what we're here for. One step God wants all of us to take is to grow in our generosity. From whatever level we're at, he wants us to stretch ourselves to become more like Jesus to the people in our communities and around the world. And quite honestly, living generously is the best way to live. So I wanna challenge you to help us finish 2020 strong and help us prepare to reach even more people with God's love in the new year. As a church, we are standing strong because of each and every one of you who has continued to give above and beyond to the mission of Parkview. If that's you, thank you. And if you're ready to take that step, go to parkviewchurch.com give and start experiencing what a generous life can be. And just a friendly reminder for those of you who mail in your giving, for tax purposes, if you want your giving to count for 2020, it will need to be postmarked no later than December 31st. Today, we are in full-blown Christmas mode, which more than any other year, I am pretty happy about. And that means tickets for in-person Christmas gatherings are available right now at christmasatparkview.com. They're available first come, first serve, so make sure you get them before they're gone. And real quick, speaking of in-person, We've officially completed our self-imposed two-week quarantine, which means we are back to in-person gatherings at all of our physical locations next weekend. That's the weekend of December 13th. As always, we'll continue coming together online, but for those of you who typically attend a physical campus, make sure you put that date on your calendar. You can find up-to-date information about weekend gatherings at parkviewchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us as we continue our teaching series, Christmas Playlist. Enjoy the service.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is our last week online only Christmas playlist is back next weekend. Uh, live at all three services and also online. Obviously, we're going to continue the online thing. For those of you that are far away, want you to know we're committed to that. Um, I want to encourage you to start getting your Christmas Eve thing figured out, okay? I uh, had a funny conversation this week. I was on a Zoom call with some of our Africa team. We uh, we teach pastors in Malawi. We, we've adopted the country of Malawi to help them figure out how to do uh, church better, okay? The peace plan, we call, we, we call it. And we've trained, I don't know, 1,500 pastors or something like that across Malawi, and it's been fantastic. But I was on with the with the leadership team, and we were just talking about stuff, and I was telling them about Christmas Eve and how important that is for us and you know how we were going to do 22 services or whatever it is. And one of the guys was like, wait a minute, how do you do 22 services on Christmas Eve? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, we start Christmas Eve way before Christmas Eve, okay? And if you're new, maybe you need to understand that too. We'll start on the Sunday before and Christmas isn't till Friday. So this is good. This this gives us a, a long time to do Christmas Eve services, which brings me to my point. You need to get tickets at, Christmas at parkview.com. okay Christmas at parkview.com is where we need you to go get tickets for the service that you're coming to and the reason is because if we see a service selling out uh so to speak they're free but you know if we see a service filling up then we can add services because we are going to do everything we can to make sure that you get a chance to do a, a, a live Christmas Eve service at Parkview. Okay, we'll add them. We'll keep doing it. We'll still do social distancing. We, you know, we're still only doing part of our auditorium. All that kind of stuff. Okay, um, we're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna talk about Silent Night. I'll give you the. I'll give you the hymn, the song. The Christmas Carol will be Silent Night, and that's always the one that we do. The candle lighting thing, uh, you know, around the room. And if, obviously, we have flame-free candles this year because, you know, when you go to blow it out with your face mask and catch your face on fire, it's not good for our insurance. So we've got the whole thing figured out. We just really want you, if you feel comfortable, we really want you to come and do Christmas Eve with us, okay? I want to ask you a rhetorical question. Maybe you're watching online. You're by yourself. Maybe you're with uh, family, friends, a a small group, or whatever. Uh, Maybe you should ask this question out loud: Are you happier this Christmas than last Christmas? That's my question. Okay. And I know, I know, I know it's 2020, but trust me, this is not a video rerun of a sermon I did right after the Cubs won the World Series. This is actually taped this week. The week after, we all had the weirdest Thanksgiving ever, right? Mine was. I had been exposed to someone who later found out they had the virus, so three of our family members tried to quarantine inside the house as much as possible with the family all there at Thanksgiving. So I didn't, me and the other two, didn't eat at the table at Thanksgiving. We ate on TV trays over in a whole nother section away from everyone, close enough to talk, but social distance, we did all the right thing. So in other words, instead of carving the turkey at the head of the table and asking Aunt Bethany to say grace, what, the blessing, I was literally at the kids' table in my own house at Thanksgiving. I'm sure that yours was weird too. So I know your first reaction to that question is to laugh, happy. Are you kidding me? But I really want you to think about it. And maybe we start by defining happiness, okay? We're doing Christmas playlist and digging into the meaning of some of these great Christmas songs we sing every year at Christmas. And today I picked joy to the world, like on purpose, okay? So just wait. Because I think this song may have, maybe more important to you this year than you can imagine. Because there's a difference between joy and happiness, all right? And maybe that's the problem with my original question. The Bible doesn't mention happiness all that often, it talks about it 27 times. But joy and rejoice is used 320 times. You with me? Joy has a deeper meaning than happiness. Happiness is about what happens. Happiness, right? Happiness fluctuates according to your circumstances. So maybe I change the question to: Are you more joyful this Christmas than last Christmas? Because joy overrides circumstances. Joy is an inner sense of well-being. Joy happens, to quote Pastor Todd, even though. I'm in the Shadowlands or in the Death Valley, even though it's under control. That's why the Bible commands us to be joyful always. In 2020? Yeah, even in 2020. You're not always going to be happy, but you can be joyful always. There's a sense of contentment that gives stability even through the trouble. Your cup can runneth over. You can have a feast at the table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. 2 Corinthians 7 reads, In all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. What? In all of my troubles, Paul is saying, my joy knows no bounds. So where'd the song come from? 300 years ago, Isaac Watts wrote this hymn, Joy to the World, that's become... A well-known Christmas carol, one of the most well-known, right? Ironically, as I was digging into this, Watts wrote his songs because he was disgruntled. This just cracks me up. He was disgruntled with the music of the day, which he felt was antiquated, okay? So he was writing new songs with a more personal message and an upbeat sound, right? I can't make this stuff up. And listen, I I know that some of you like the old songs and the hymns, and and I do too, trust me, and I don't always like the new music either, but you have to realize that when the old songs were written, they were new songs. And people griped about them then because they liked the old songs better. I get it. Many people considered Watts to be a rebel and regarded his music as inappropriate. I mean, think about this. Many critics of modern worship music gripe about the repetition. You know, we just sing the same thing over and over again. Well, how about repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. I mean, come on, Isaac, could you not think of something new to say? I can just hear it all now. Watts' music and his work survived the test of time. He was the author of uh, many well known hymns, such as Marching to Zion, At the Cross, and my favorite Watts song, probably yours too if you know it When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. This is the same guy, okay? Now, fascinating, The Joy to the World is a Christmas Carol, because it really only has a veiled reference to the birth of Jesus. It's, the Lord has come, let earth receive her King. That's kind of basically it. It was actually inspired less by the, the story of the nativity and more from Psalm 98. The end of Psalm 98 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the heart, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blasts of the ram's horn. That's for those of you who think our music's too loud shout for joy before the lord the king i want to look at joy to the world today and grab some reminders that we can have genuine joy brought to the dumpster fire of 2020 and i think it's going to be really important for us the first verse teaches us that there is joy when the king is received right joy to the world the lord has come let earth receive her king let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing. Not everybody was joyful when Jesus was born. Let earth receive her king. I mean, we talked about Herod last week. He was not receiving the king, right? He had no joy. Herod was so paranoid that he had already, by the time Jesus was born, he had already killed three of his own sons because he was worried that they were going to take over the throne. He could not tolerate a rival king, even if it was a baby, okay? And there are still many today who reject Jesus as king because they see him as a threat to their selfish desires or to their intellectual pride. But John 1 reads this way. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received their king, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Joy to the world, let earth receive her king. In contrast to to Herod, the wise man received Jesus as king. It was a long trip. Some estimate that they came 600 miles to get to Palestine. But they were surprised to find out that when they got to where they thought the king was supposed to be in Jerusalem, he wasn't there. He was down the hill in the little town of Bethlehem. Even so, they found him and they received their king. On coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And I was thinking about this just this morning how do you think they felt on their way home? I mean, we we don't know anything about their lives. We don't know if they'd had a 2019 year or a 2020 year. We don't know if they had health problems or going through a messy divorce or a loss of income. I I don't know what was going on in their life. But some kind of a deep need makes you ride 600 miles on a camel. Have you tried one? (laughs) It's, It's not easy. Why would they do that? I don't know, but... I bet they were awfully joyful on their way home. This is, this is what I've been processing. They had a deep need that caused them to go and search for the king. And when they received their king, they went home joyful. They'd followed the star where they were supposed to. They found the special king. They put gifts at his feet and they worshiped him. Then they were visited by God in a dream. There must have been an inner joy that remained with them for the rest of their lives. Joseph Marmion wrote this, and you might want to take a picture of the screen on this one. This is important. Joy is the echo of God's life within us. Joy is the echo of God's life within us. It's not about happiness. It's about joy. Following his conversion to Christ, English scholar C.S. Lewis discovered that he had this new sense of well-being that he had not anticipated. And he wrote a book about it, and the book was called Surprised by Joy. I mean, he, he knew he wanted to figure out whether this thing was real or not, but he was surprised by the joy that came because he did. Ironically, not long after that, he met and married a woman named Joy. So, you know kind of went both ways. When Christ is received as king, he fills that inner longing for significance. He brings us forgiveness and purpose and and hope. He brings an inner joy that can't be found anywhere else. And it's nothing that 2020 can take from you. Please understand that. Second verse, Joy to the World says, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Here's what I need you to understand. There is, however, a difference between let earth receive her king and the Savior reigns. Let me explain. Oftentimes, we want to receive our king. We want to receive the good things that come because we get to be in the kingdom, but we don't really want to let him reign. Do you see where I'm going with this? But here's the deal. People who receive Christ but don't let him rule are usually not very joyful. Do you know people like that? Someone said, you can keep a foot in two different canoes for a while, but eventually you're going to get really uncomfortable, right? Duplicity wears you out. Hypocrisy saps the joy out of your life. The most often used kingship issue that Jesus pressed in on was this one. No man can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's just one example, but that was Jesus' most common one, one foot in two canoes. And hey, it's been a weird year for that in every way, right? With that one big issue that Jesus talked about more than any other. It's probably made, 2020 has probably made a lot of us lean our foot into the Canoe of my money, a lot more than the kingdom of God. But I ask you, is that giving you joy? Trying to trust your bank account more than you let Jesus reign in your life. And you know what? We've been thinking about it every year at this time. You hear me invite Parkview, uh, our, our Parkview people, to, and I challenge you to to do a year in giving kind of thing. Okay. Every year I do that, and and that invitation usually includes something like me saying, hey, help us finish the year strong. And the reason for that is because the month of December is usually a large percentage of our annual budget because a lot of people wait around to the last minute and realize they haven't got their tax things figured out and they need to do it before December 31st. But you need to understand that money not only funds our budget and our campuses and our, our ministry online, it also provides support for both our local and global ministry partners like Malawi that I just told you about. So I I typically get up and I ask you to make one last big gift for the year, right? And and I do it myself because I I usually have a little bit of catching up on some stuff to do that I want to do and make some special gift myself. We do it as a family. But as I've thought about it, I think there's a subtle downside to that approach, okay? It puts the emphasis on last giving instead of first giving. In a subtle way, I think it can communicate, hey, you know, as the year's winding down, if you have a little left over, you know, and you feel okay about how 2020 has gone for you financially, and you're not too worried about what 21 might bring, then maybe you could consider sparing a little for the year-end offering. And, you know, that, that's fine. But... I had this thing with the squirrel recently that made me think this is just squirrel giving. Like I'm looking out my window and I got the fattest squirrel that's, that's at my bird feeder all the time. And I mean, there's no way he can store up more for the winter and I'm kind of looking at him like, Dude, why don't you let the birds have some, you know? I mean, I think you're fat enough. You keep running up the tree with with your stuff. Don't don't you have enough? And I kind of feel like that's what this is. It's kind of like, you know, I'm just gonna tell you, hey, don't you have enough? Can't you let somebody else have it? But I wanna do it a little bit differently this year. This year, instead of looking at your December giving as the last offering of the year, I wanna invite you to think about it more like the Bible does as a first offering of the coming year. What I mean is what if we consider giving a gift in December that signifies to you and me that Jesus is first in priority and that he rules in our lives and that we can trust him right now for the coming year. Because the truth is, we have no idea what 2021 is going to bring. I mean, hopefully it's going to be better, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We understand that. The only way to move past the insecurity about the unknown is to put our hope and our trust in the one that is completely trustworthy, no matter what dumpster fire is going on. And one way Jesus helps us to trust him is through our finances, through our checkbook and learning to give as a priority through our giving and trusting Him to provide our daily bread. That's how we do it, okay? So would you consider letting Him reign in your giving in December? Would you select a gift that pushes you out of your comfort zone and forces you to trust Him? I don't know you. I don't know what that gift would be to you, what's going to make you feel stretched, but you do, okay? Okay? And I promise you, you won't regret it. Go to parkviewchurch.com give. And I encourage you, put your trust in the canoe that you know is always going to be there. See, the difference between receiving him as king and letting him reign is found for us also in the book of Revelation. When Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, listen to this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Okay. There's two stages to your Christian life. There's the stage where you receive Christ into your home and he's a guest and you invite him in. And Jesus says, I will come in and eat with him. And then there's the stage where he takes over and he's the host. And and it says, and and he will eat with me, right? Jesus is now the host inside. That's the difference. So here's what I'm saying. When you allow Christ in, He will save your soul. But the sooner you allow Him to take control, the sooner you will find joy to the world. On the night before He died, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy would be complete. Before you think that Isaac Watts must have had life by the tail and all things were easy for him, I can tell you one thing I learned about his life. I mean, this is 300 years ago, it's not easy to find a ton, but evidently, let me just put it this way, he wasn't giving Michael B. Jordan a run for the People magazine cover as Sexiest Man Alive. Okay? Evidently, Isaac was not a handsome man. As a matter of fact, the only story that I read about him in his history was horrible. Because there was this woman who wrote him, I mean, this is 300 years ago, who wrote him and said, hey, I'm your biggest fan. And he said, well, great. And they started talking and eventually they fell in love, you know? I mean, no pictures, of course, because there was no FarmersOnly.com back then. They had to, you know, just like write letters. So before meeting him, she's so enthralled with this guy that she proposed marriage to him through the mail. And then she came to visit him. And when she met him, she just couldn't do it. She rejected him because of his appearance and went home. I had a copy of her description of him to a friend, and I was going to read it, but I decided not to because it it broke my heart. And it broke Isaac Watts' heart, too, because he never dated ever again. So put that in your Hallmark Christmas movie pipe and smoke it. What I find fascinating is that this rejected guy who never would ever want to watch a romantic comedy ever again because of lifelong loneliness wrote Joy to the World. That's part of the reason why I think Joy to the World fits in Christmas Playlist 2020. Because listen to this, joy does not depend on Hallmark. Can I get a dilly dilly, guys? Come on. Joy does not depend on Hallmark. Most of you know my disdain for HCM, okay? That's the abbreviation of Hallmark Christmas movies because it makes it sound more like the drug that it really is, you know? Are you taking HCM? HCMs are obviously not based in reality because I don't know if you know this or not, but not every couple who starts out hating each other ends up falling in love. Some of them just don't get along ever. That's why I'm a fan of realistic Christmas movies like Christmas Vacation and Die Hard and Gremlins, okay? Seriously, reading about this, about Isaac Watts, was painful, like 2020 painful. But here's where you need to land your joy to the world, no matter what your love like is like or your 2020 is like in general. Verse three, no more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. What's that about? It's about 2020, you guys. Sins and sorrows and thorns all came because of the thir- curse of, of sin. I mean, the curse of sin in, in Genesis was that there would be thorns. That's what that reference is in the land, that there would be some hardship in the land. Because Satan told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the tree, it'll be good. It's gonna make you wise. But in the end, you know, because he told them what they wanted instead of what God wanted, they ended up with the curse, a horrible curse, an unending sorrow. So, so why is there a pandemic? Why is 2020 a dumpster fire? Why is this the official poinsettia of the 2020 holiday season? I saw this online. It's feed me, Seymour, right? That's the poinsettia. Why is it like that? It's because we live with the curse. It's because we don't see the big picture. The result of sin in our world when sin entered our world, the war between good and evil moved from the heavens to the earth. I remember when the Passion of Christ movie came out, I was watching this interview with some religious leaders talking about the movie, about Mel Gibson's movie. And this one guy was so upset that the movie had turned, into the, the, turned the crucifixion into this huge universal clash between good and evil. And they said, I can't believe it turned the death of a good moral teacher like Jesus into some event that was cosmic in scope with larger forces at work. This was a religious leader. I remember thinking, Really? That is what it's about, smooth brain. Did you go to Sesame Street Seminary? I don't even understand what you're talking about. There is a war between good and evil on the planet, between God's purposes for humanity and the evil force that wants to disrupt all of that. How else do you explain pandemics or war or poverty or greed or racism or murder or abuse? Please do not let anyone tell you that Christmas and Christianity And all this Jesus stuff is about a good moral teacher. The Apostle John wrote pretty definitively, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And a lot of people don't get this. So here is the Christmas story from the book of Revelation. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you didn't know it was there. Let me read it for you. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman, she was pregnant and she cried out in the pain of labor as she awaited her delivery. Suddenly I witnessed, this is the the vision that John has given of the end. Suddenly I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns with seven crowns on his head and he stood before the woman as she was about to give birth to her child, ready to devour the baby as soon as it was born. Good Bible here, huh? She gave the birth to the boy who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and the child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God in his throne. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, at, It has happened at last, the salvation and power, joy to the world, the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, for the accuser has been thrown down to earth, the one who accused our brothers and sisters before God day and night. The terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, and he knows that he has little time. Listen to this. Then the dragon became angry at the woman, represents us, humanity, and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and confess that they belong to Jesus. Woohoo! Who wants some eggnog? You're gonna read that version on Christmas Eve night? It's the most wonderful time. Uh, have you heard that one before? Okay? Here's the thing you need to understand 2020 or whatever year. Here's the thing you need to understand. Paul said, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the reality. So where's the joy to the world? It was back there. It says, it has happened. It has happened. At last. Joy to the world, the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of God, and the authority of his Christ. You see, even though the curse was here, even though we chose sin, God still wanted to be with his kids. And he made a way through Jesus to be reconciled to them. That's why the Bible says, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Prodigal son ran from home, rebelled against his father. And when he hit rock bottom, he turned around and came back and was going to tell his dad, I've sinned, I'm sorry. But his dad didn't even give him the opportunity. He forgave him immediately and threw him a party, just like your father wants to do for you. And there was joy because the son repented and had come home. And listen to this. This is really fascinating. Jesus said, there was more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. Joy to the world? How about joy in the heavens when we're reunited? No more let sins, let me read it for you one more time. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. The battle won't really be over until this body is done with. best way I can describe it is, is D-Day. Christmas is D-Day. Okay. World War II, the troops stormed Normandy and established a beachhead in Europe. And it was the beginning of the end for Hitler. But the greatest number of casualties happened in that time, in between D-Day and a year later when we finally had victory over Europe Day, right? Victory in Europe Day, the final VE Day. That was the biggest number of casualties. Although everyone knew the ending was going to happen and we were going to win, there was still war until true power was established. And, and friends, 2020 is happening because we live in between D-Day and V.E. Day yet to come. The angel told Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. you found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. That's the promise of Christmas. And the curse was broken on the cross, the Apostle Paul tells us. So yeah, we still live in a world that's imperfect and has pandemics. But we have the victory. We can have joy. The promise of Christmas is our guy wins. Yes, 2020 has been hard. The curse is apparent in more ways than it has been in a long time. But joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart Prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. So what should we do? We should repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Why? Because he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So repeat the sounding joy. And let's celebrate the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And repeat the sounding joy. Sing it with us.
0: If you're like most people, you probably have a hard time staying focused on God during this season, especially Christmas in the year 2020. That's why at 8 a.m. each morning leading up to Christmas, we are streaming a short devotional for you to enjoy with your family and to help you understand the meaning of Christmas in a deeper way. It's called Countdown to Christmas, and you can find each devotional on demand at parkviewchurch.com slash countdown. I hope you'll participate in that and share it with your family and friends. Thanks again for joining us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. See you next time.